That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap, dirty game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Kakupful Stat Attack podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callanan. So whilst Don Cherry, 85 years of age, was being fired from Coach's Corner after 37 years, it was just another busy week of action in the Kakupful. And on this week's show, we'll be taking a look at the goings-on around the 18 divisions of the biggest and best fantasy hockey league in the world. We'll see how many teams remain unbeaten with a perfect 6-0-0 record. We'll have a look at the top 5 teams across all tiers and divisions ranked by points. Has last week's guest, Tom Crowhurst, managed to maintain his substantial lead at the top of the point standings? Well, you'll have to wait and see. This week, we'll be taking a detailed look at the top division. The top tier, that's Sweden. Who's doing well and who's struggling? Who's on a surge and who's in a slump? And of course we'll be taking a look at our Cupful Performer of the Week and Matchup of the Week. After that it's time for our first ever Stat Attack Deep Dive where I'll be taking a look at the concept of Fantasy PDO. Have your team been lucky or unlucky? Stay tuned to find out. And to round out the show then I'll be giving you the Team of the Week and the best under 50%. But before all of that I spoke yesterday with Ryan McLaughlin. Ryan is the General Manager, Head Coach, Goaltending Coach, Special Teams Coach and Zamboni Driver for the high spending Daddy He Got a Edler team, currently occupying second place in the Södertalja division. I chatted with Ryan about his fantasy hockey experience, his strategies, and his all-time favourite fantasy player. Okay, this week's guest on the Cupful Stat Attack podcast, episode two, is Ryan McLaughlin. Ryan, you're very welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm uh, really honoured and excited and not a small bit uh, nervous to be on (laughs) here, but I'm really, really pumped, and um, thanks for asking me. Uh, no problem, and there's no need to be nervous because we're talking about fantasy hockey, and it's our favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> Before I go into anything, I just want you to explain your team name, if you can. So your team in Södertälje in Tier Four of the uh, the Cupful Fantasy Hockey League, your team name is Daddy. He got a Edler. Can you just explain, maybe for people who don't like myself, uh, understand where that came from? About a year ago, uh, I got way, way, way too into this band um, from. Uh, California called Wolfpack, and uh, <clears throat> I love coming up with puns. I'm a dad of four, so I'm a hardcore hashtag dad pun guy, um, <laughs> and I like naming too. And um, uh, so they had this song called "Daddy." He got a Tesla, and I was kind of out of sorts trying to figure out my team name, and I uh, was like, "Well, let's just think of Wolfpack song titles." And uh, "Daddy, he got a Tesla" popped into my head for Dadanov, and then I had an Edler. And uh, I thought that kind of fit in. And, and I'm always one of those people who like like to go kind of obscure because then when someone gets it, you're excited to find a fellow <laughs> music nerd. <laughs> Did you name your team after you had drafted or after your team had been drafted or before? Because I noticed you have Danilov yeah. and Edler. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, I don't think I could ever, I mean, unless we're talking about like Kucherov or McDavid or McK- whoever, right? Those top five guys or top six. Um, I don't think I'd ever like set a team name and then draft a guy, you know, okay. or you know, last round like pick a guy so I can like fit my perfect team pun okay. in. <laughs> That's good. Enough. I'm already, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm already like a uh, like fancy hockey's hard enough. I don't need to like handicap myself for a what I think to be a hilarious team name. <laughs> um, can you yeah. just? Uh... 
I know we've been talking for a couple of minutes, but maybe could you just introduce yourself, where you're from, um, your NHL team, sure. maybe your favorite real-life hockey player? Sure. Uh, my name's Ryan McLaughlin. I uh, was born in, I'm from St. Louis, and I moved to New York City in 2006, and now I've, and then I, now I'm two hours north in the Hudson Valley. Um, I moved up here like 2012. So I'm a blues fan, hardcore blues fan, and I grew up in the glory days of Hall & Oates. Um, <laughs> not the amazing mustachioed band, but the awesome pair that the blues had although i do like the band too favorite nhl player with the blues they were great during that era and then like early aughts they were bought by the owner of the avalanche's brother-in-law the lorries and he dumped a ton of money and that's when you saw like the pierre turgeon doug wade teams mm. and they were and now mckinnis and chris pronger on the, the same blue line which is incredible um when the strike sort of happened, the lorries were like, we're out of here. And they just dumped, they got out, the blues tanked. Um, and also being from St. Louis, I'm a massive Cardinals fan. So when the strike happened, I kind of dipped out of hockey for a long time. <clears throat> and then uh, I got back into it now, late, you know, 10 years later, probably, because I love playing fantasy baseball. When that was over, right after my first season, I was like, I have to fill my fantasy itch. And so <laughs> I jumped into fantasy hockey, found Keeping Carlson, and it's just been like, Oh, I mean, deep, deep, deep into it now. So, so you, um, you I got back, you got yeah, back go into ahead. hockey just in time to see the the Blues lift Lord Stanley. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, true. I mean, I would always keep abreast of like what was happening with the Blues, right? You'd always kind of watch yeah. from afar. Uh, I remember when they beat the Blackhawks, I guess three years ago now in like the second round. I definitely cried a couple tears because it was like. Beating the Blackhawks at that point was just like, I think for every Blues fan, we were just like, whatever, sure. Who needs a cup <laughs> if you can beat the Hawks? So um, at, this, at this stage, are you more of a hockey fan or a fantasy hockey fan? Yeah, I feel like now I'm a hockey fan. Like, I love watching hockey now when I can. but I And I have, like, an affiliation to the Blues. Like, they're my hometown team. But I feel and this is why i really love fantasy sports I, i'm more of a general just hockey fan i just like hockey players they don't have to be on my team but i love fantasy baseball and hockey because you get a, such a wide breadth of the league you know you're not just on the one team and who's coming up on that team who's good on that team you're really in the mix with all the with the entire league so at the moment, how many leagues are you playing in? Or is, is, is it just a couple or are you in a few? I'm totally going to get in trouble with my wife right now. So I uh, am in seven. Okay. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't really, I didn't. I told her it was four. So I'm sorry, <laughs> Rachel. Um, uh, so it's seven. I co-managed one with a good fantasy friend. Got it's, seven leagues on go the ahead. go at the moment. I co-managed one. And one is, uh, I think Tom called it like a set and forget it league. Like, I don't, I'm not really worried, but I kind of asked if I could leave, and the commissioner never got back to me, and then the giraffe was happy, and I was like, whatever, I'll just use it as kind of a mock anyway, and then go through it. And then there's the cup full, and um, and then I commissioned one, the first league that I ever was in, I ended up being a commissioner of, and I feel like I can drop out of that. And then I have a, I tried to um, separate, they're all different, which I kind of like, like I, Bangers League, I have a full salary um, Dynasty, I co-manage a, a full keeper, but no cap. Uh, the couple is obviously its own beast. 
you're a very well-rounded fantasy hockey player, I would say. Yeah, because like, if I'm going to be in so many, I'm not going to be in like six bangers leagues. Because then it's like, well, what, I'm just going to have the same draft then every time? That's yeah. a little boring. I'm in this one really crazy one that's like three forward lines, a winger spot, a forward spot, only three defensemen, and a utility. So it's just like, <laughs> it's a 10-team league, but your rosters are huge. Okay. And defensemen don't mean anything because you're only starting three. And, and a face-off win. Um, just because obviously this uh, show is based around the Cucupful, can you give me some insight into how you're performing in the Cucupful, your current situation? Obviously, you're in Tier 4 in Sodertalja. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you've been promoted in the past? Uh, no, <laughs> I think I think it's I was in 5, and I jumped in halfway through a season and did, did all right. And then last year was my first time ever playing in a points league in the Cucupful. It's still my only points league, and um, I man, I nose dive hard. Oof, it was bad. Uh, I made an unfortunate trade of Matthew Kachuk for PK Subban, and that just like submarine, no. <laughs> submarine my whole yeah <laughs> against the advice of a trusted fantasy friend too. Sorry to link to last week's show. Yeah. You actually this season your draft was done by proxy by Tom. Um, thanks, Tom. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening, um, I happen to be in New York City for. A concert of that band Wolfpack, so maybe it's appropriate that I named them <laughs> on the 28th, and the draft was on the 29th, and it was like I was walking around New York City with my wife and furiously texting Tom about the draft. <laughs> um, we went over some. He sent me like a sheet, and I kind of was like, "He's like, what do you think of these players?" I said some names that I liked, some names I didn't like. We kind of uh, batted back and forth who I was into. Unfortunately, or unfortunately enough, I would like to target Dubnik. A little bit later, or you know, I think that was maybe that was my first goalie actually. Yeah, I was big into the idea of uh, um, just volume, and actually, then he was my only goal to draft it and uh, put in a bid for Hutton immediately after the draft and picked him up. And yeah. um, it looks like Tom did did a pretty good job. He he went quite safe with yeah. the first few picks. He he didn't take any any yeah. big risks. So he went with Kane, Stamkos, Giroud, and Latang, who are all fairly established. Yeah, you know, we I, I remember sending that results as it was going on to some friends, and um, they were like, "Oh, you got the geezer squad," but uh, <laughs> they're just so safe. I mean, Kane, I think definitely. When we found out that we were picking at eight, it was like, man, if we could get Patrick Kane there, I think in a points league like this, it's like he's just a monster. And then Stamkos too is also incredible. Pedersen in the fifth is awesome. Kopitar in the 10th, Wilson yeah. in the 12th, Edler, Edler in the 13th. Edler, yeah. Went, yes. uh, Edler went to you at pick 176. In my division, he went 124. And I'm all about <laughs> right. I, I'm all about Alex Edler. Me too. As uh, as Dave Benton said, he's doing God's work every night. And he does, man. Every It's like, all right, that's another assist and a half from Edler, even though it's in blocks and you yeah. know shots. And he he's throws a, in a goal and an assist. He's a peripherals yeah. god. Oh God, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and um, and just so slept on in some leagues, it's kind of weird. You yeah, know, you're, still you're in, you're like, in. right? Yeah, yeah, no stop. And like, you know, we were all nervous about the power play of Hughes coming in this year, but I'm like, it doesn't matter because he's still going to be Alex Edler, right? Yeah, exactly. He's not going to give you power point, but that's not. You're not drafting for power play one. You're drafting for <laughs> that peripheral floor that is always there. It looks like Tom and, did a good um, job. Anyway, you're uh, you're third at the moment, yeah. like third on the yeah. Sunday. You lo- you look like you probably head up to second after this week. Um, yeah, I think number two is losing the sheet this week. So um, yeah, Tom, uh, it's it's really kind of a fun. I've you know Tom and I now kind of chat a couple times a week just about what's going on, and um, I'm always rooting to see him in first because 
of the solid he did me as drafting and uh he's always very supportive too and um i, I told him i thought it was really interesting because he has sort of a control group almost if you yeah. thought of it as an experiment right like he has his draft and then he has another draft to kind of look at live real you know yeah he has a and, nice uh, claim to fame that he has two teams in the top 31 <laughs> in the yeah in, in total points I said to some people, like, should I feel like I'm not, I didn't do a good job? And they're like, well, you have to think he hired the crew, but you're the captain of the ship. Well, that and, leads uh, me in, that leads me in nicely to my next question, because it definitely isn't a case that you're sitting on what Tom drafted. You're quite an active um, streamer. Yeah. Um, you're big yeah. on the waiver wire. You've, you've spent quite a chunk of your budget at this stage, if I may say. Um, you're, you're $55 down and you've 45 left to go. So I notice you've spent a few dollars. Uh, Kevin Hayes, you, you took for $9. I think you dropped him right. and then picked him up again for $2. That's an interesting one. Um, Don Skoy got me a couple times. Don- Donskoy for 10. Yeah, so you're busy, you're busy on the waiver wire. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, honestly, being um, relatively new, so uh, like two and a half years into fantasy, I've, be, I've always been crazy active on the waiver because I was just so, and probably still am, pretty not good at drafting. <laughs> I'm okay. You know, I can do it, but I'm not like, uh, I'm not good enough. And so you just are like trying to survive, right? You don't, you can get a solid draft, but for me, I'm like constantly trying to figure out the team, you know? And if you can uh, give me an insight into the logic that goes behind your streaming. So are you trying to maximize your roster for any given week looking to yeah. um, pick up who's hot or how, how do you work that? I definitely am Sunday night spending a chunk of time staring at the schedule, you know, trying to figure out the, the off days and who's playing for, um, you know, who's got the Monday game, I think is a big, I like to try and get one, you know, at least a bit or two in Sunday night for Monday. And then, you know, this week's schedule was so brutal trying to stream yeah. because of that Saturday. So, uh, you know, I picked up like great, uh, backland, sorry. Mm. Um, on Friday or Saturday, Saturday morning for just for Sunday's game, you know, trying to kind of look a couple days ahead. If you can swing something around, you've got Kenny you know. there as well. He's got a good, uh, off day schedule at the moment. Right. Yeah. You know, when I listen to, uh, Dave Benton. Carlson. Yeah, I listen to Dave. I listen to Keaton Carlson. I listen to Ben and Lewis. I listen to Fancy Hockey Podcast. I try and read as much as I can. I have I have an hour drive to work every day, so it's like uh, Fancy Hockey one way and then like politics on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> We're very similar in that respect. Right. So it's trying to learn, just listen and put things you hear into action, right? So exactly. trying, to, trying to remember teams that are looking good. The hot hand thing is like... Um, that's just sheer luck, right? Like yeah. trying to jump on the hot hand, you you drop ten bucks on a guy and then he gets demoted again. Like I feel like you either get the hot hand or you don't. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. very hard to look back seven days, see who's been hot, and then use that to project them right. going forward seven days. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, the longer you do it, the more you, the more fluid you get, and you know, like to look at the let's look at the own rates, let's look at the fancy points, let's look at the drops and the ads. Last fourteen, last thirty, last seven, and then comparing that to schedules. Yeah, yeah, I'm constantly thinking about it. Constantly thinking about it, really. You know, to the consternation of um, friends and yeah. uh, family at times. It's something that you really can't put enough time into. Every there's always something else that you can look at. Right, right, yeah, and then especially with the 
the the breadth of leagues that I'm into is um you know it's like you go look at one and then you're looking at the other and but I found that you know all of a sudden I'm like like JG Peugeot is like one of my MVPs in the fantasy in the face off wins league because he yeah. crushes in that and and uh, but then you have to go to the other league and totally erase your previous five minutes of thoughts right just like I I don't remember any of those things I was thinking about these players because we're in like this ten team simple two line forward league right so yeah I find it amazing that people can manage seven leagues I'm in three myself I would consider them all pretty similar one is a cats league but in terms of mm-hmm. positions and scoring categories they're fairly similar and right. I'm still struggling to remember which player I have on which team I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm six weeks in now I'm kind of getting there but right, you know, right, like, right. Oh, God do I who do I have do I have Zibanejad yeah. in this league or that league do yeah. I have IR plus in that league you know. um so I really need to have everything on the screen in front of me. My my memory yeah. is not great in that respect. That Yahoo uh, league availability selection now is like my favorite. <laughs> it's like just show him, show me everything. Okay, yeah. he's not. I'm not getting that guy. All right. <laughs> yeah, there is that feeling, right? That that there's like one day when you get into the season where the season isn't new anymore, and you feel you like you've got to kind of grasp on what your team is, where they're going, where the strengths are, and that's always a nice feeling you're like okay now i kind of understand what's happening here right now exactly um Um, just in terms i I know you've said that you haven't been playing fantasy hockey that long only a couple of years do you do you have um a cult hero or a favorite fantasy hockey player over those couple of years i feel like it's hard to not have it be the guy that performed really well for you the last month of season before so like coming into the season i was like man i love oscar lindblom (laughs) it's like well that was just last march so, yeah. so forget that part. I mean, uh, Edler is one of them. I, I really like Zabanajad because he's just one of those guys that uh, I've gotten in a couple deals where it's like he's so good and so young, and yeah. and then he started, you remember that. he started the season so well this year. It's unfortunate, right? That right? He's, he's been out of the lineup for a while now. Yeah, this, yeah. My last. My last question for you, uh, Ryan, is just if you have any players who you feel have been under the radar so far this season um, or somebody who you think uh, would be a good own for the rest of the season that might not necessarily be talked about too often. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one because I feel like, especially in the Keeping Carlson, it's like everybody knows everything. Right? It's, just like, yeah. it's so difficult to be like, oh, I found this sleeper. You know, maybe I'll say my biggest surprise and someone that I wouldn't have drafted and always feel like I've avoided is Ehlers. And I feel like that guy's been great this year. Out of Kind of like he got that slept on sort of feeling last year. Like everyone's like, oh, he's over. And maybe that was just me. But Ehlers has been, from what I can tell, has been really a good producer for Mike Cuffle team. Yeah, he's uh, so he's nine goals and seven assists at this stage of the season, and you got him in the eleventh round. Yeah, and like I would never, you know, never owned him, um, but always kind of was like, yeah, he's not going to be the guy that we all think he's going to be. You know, kind of like that line A light, if you will, or disappointing line A light. Let's put it mm. that way, right? That like, oh, it's not going to happen what we thought was going to happen, and now. I've- I feel he's in a very similar position this season to uh, David Perron. Um, they're both oh. obviously dual oh, wingers, yeah. left and right wing. They're both yeah. probably overperforming, maybe Perron more yeah. so. Um, but I'm, I really feel that Perron is a difficult drop, even though I would have picked oh. him up as a streamer. Yeah, I, I missed out again. Like, it, do you have a who? You're a, you're a Pens fan, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, do you ever just 
kick yourself because you're like, I should be the guy reaping the benefits of that streamer that's now the long-term hold. Like, yeah. as a Blues fan, I'm like, how did I miss on Perron in <laughs> every league? I mean, the league where there's three other Blues fans, I know why. But, um, like, Kukupful, I wish I would have been the one. He looks hungry, man. I was watching Blues game the other night. He just, like, he has that, like, give me the puck, I'm going to shoot it. And he's doing well with that attitude. Yeah, he's, he's on a 74-point pace at the moment, which is incredible. Gee, wow. I, I, he's a, he was always, he was a favorite Blues player for a while because he was this kind of, like, especially with that big concussion hit that he had. And it was, like, I always root for the underdog. Like, I, I love Robbie Fabry. I'm really happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to see Prong come back for the third time for the Blues, win the Cup, and be playing maybe some of the better hockey of his career, like a fully formed Perron now at, I don't know what he is, 31 maybe. Um, but that's uh, exciting. It's nice to see for him. Great stuff. Okay, thanks very much for your time today, Ryan. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck for the rest yeah, of the season. Of course. Thank you for having me. Huge thanks again to Ryan for coming on yesterday. I can tell you that since recording yesterday, he did go on to win his Kukupal matchup, and incredibly, he won in all seven of his leagues last week. Uh, an amazing achievement. And it was great to talk to Ryan. It was great to hear his insights and his, uh, his angles on fantasy hockey, and I look forward to chatting to him again in the future. Now, at this stage of the show, I want to run through the unbeaten teams. So with six weeks gone in the Kukupful, there are nine teams with a perfect 6-0-0 record. And in no particular order, I'll list them out. We have Aussie Magic in Melker, Top Ched Bardowski in William, Dude Wears Makar in Soder Talja, Walk with Elias in Jacob F, Microsoft XL, I love that name, in Anton, uh, The Orca Boys in Linus, the Sundeer Sharks in William, Epic Neil Time in Binghampton, and Tea Pleasures team in Frolunda. And as well as having nine teams on a perfect record, there are 12 teams remaining yet to pick up a victory in six weeks of action. I won't list them, but uh, you know who you are. Now that we've had a look at the perfect and, let's say, imperfect teams around the divisions, it's time to take a closer look at Tier 1 Sweden. Interestingly, there are actually no perfect or imperfect teams in this division. Nobody is rocking a 6-0-0 record and nobody has the uh, unfortunate situation of being 0-0-6. The margins in this division are so fine that Elan's team uh, keeping Carlson in second position, spelt with a C for keeping and a C for John Carlson, uh, his team only have 90 points more than the dreadful sucks of Dave Betton in 13th position so between second place and second last just 90 points overall separating those teams uh elan's team having a record of 4-2-0 and dave being 2-4-0 it has been an incredibly busy division so far this season with 250 moves having been made elan is leading the way there on 27 moves uh, which is interesting uh, that he has five moves more than dave betton who uh, is widely renowned as the stream king such has been Dave's well-publicised desperation to get back to winning ways. He has spent quite a large chunk of his free agent acquisition budget, uh, dropping $14 on Eunice Corpusalo in the middle of October. He also spent $6 on Cody Glass at the start of the season, uh, $8 on Robbie Fabry a week ago, and $11 on JG Pajot in the middle of last week. In total, all of Dave's moves have left him with just $29 left to spend for the remainder of the season. At the top of the divisional standings are Dusty's Dusters, with a record of 5-1-0. They have a total of 1,620 points, which is good for 17th overall across all divisions in the Cucupful. 
Their performance last week saw them land in 93rd for the week. And actually the highest scoring points team in the league, Joe's team, with 1,655 points, stand only 5th in the division. So quite a poor bit of luck there for Joe's team so far. And speaking of luck, Niener Nienerreiter, that's a difficult one to say, they stand 11th in the division at a record of 2-4-0, despite being the 47th ranked team overall in the Cupful. So they've been banging in the points, but they just haven't been getting the luck. Um, they've had quite a high points rate scored against them, so there is a bit of good fortune due there, so things should turn around for Niener Nienerreiter. Moving away then from Tier 1 Sweden, it's time for the Performer of the Week. And this week that honour goes to Anderson of Anarchy in William Tier 5. They amassed a total of 278.3 points and with a lineup including Tyler Sagan, Logan Couture, William Carlson, Roman Yossi, Darcy Kemper amongst other studs. They managed to blast away their opponent by over 105 points so congratulations to them they were the best team last week. And not only did that great performance push them to a 5-1-0 record in their division, it also pushed them back into the top 20 overall standings at position number 19. So it's fair to say they're looking like a very strong outfit in that division. Now normally at this stage I would like to list out the matchup of the week, whereby it might be a high scoring matchup with a narrow margin of victory, but last week was an interesting week because something quite unusual happened. In fact there were six matchups that were decided by two points or less, really really tight matchups. In tier 2 San Jose, Tuca and Bertie beat Susp by just 1.2 points. In tier 3 Binghampton, Titanium Cranium were beaten by Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes uh, by just 1.45 points. In tier 5 Jakob F, Frizmai Kuznetsov and Slavin Avoy. Slavin Avoy uh, managed to win that by 1.9 points. In tier 5 Melker, the glorious Scott Co and Puck Mahone played it out and Puck Mahone were the winner by just 1.15 points so that was the tightest matchup of the week also quite a high scoring one. Uh, also in Melker, the Donkey and Bufflin come back. 1.6 points was the margin of victory there with Bufflin come back being the victorious side. And finally, in Linus Tier 5, Will Nye, Science Guy, were victorious over Scotty Too Hottie. So I think, given the circumstances, I won't give out a matchup of the week, but I think all of those, particularly maybe the one in San Jose, Tuca and Bertie against us, a particularly high-scoring, close affair. So uh, congratulations to Tuca and Bertie in that one, and indeed all of the winners of those tight matchups. Tuca and Bertie are of course Ben Burnett's entry in this year's Cupful, so congratulations to Ben on that victory. And here's a stat for you, of the 756 matchups so far in this season's Cupful, 27 of those matchups have been decided by under 2 points, but we have yet to see a tie, so we'll keep our eyes peeled on that one. And let me finish out this segment by giving you the top 5 overall teams in the Cupful point standings. At number 5 it's Joe's team in Sweden, aforementioned. Uh, they're up from 18th position, jumping a total of 13 positions to 5th this week, with a record of just 3-3-0, which seems so unfair with a points total of 1,655 points. In 4th position, down from last week's 2nd, is Puck Business in Ludwig, with a record of 4-2-0. Again, quite unlucky there, they've been in the top 10 teams all season. Uh, at number 3, up one place from last week, it's David Prestige and PTSD in Jokerit. Again, a record of 4-2-0 there, quite unlucky. They were 4th last week, 3rd this week overall. Um, in number 2, it's Horvat Here's a Who in Simon. They were 3rd last week, 3rd the week before, and up to 2nd now. 
closest challenger to number one, which is once again, no surprises, epic kneel time of Binghampton and Tom Crowhurst. Tom has been second in week one and ever since has been number one. So congratulations to Tom on five weeks at the top. And nobody seems to be able to close that gap. So epic kneel time have a 102.75 point gap at the top of the table over Horvat Here's a Who of Simon from PTSD, Puck Business and Joe's team. That's the top five this week's Cookupful point standings. Okay, at this stage of the show, it's time for our first ever Stat Attack Deep Dive. Each week I'll be looking at fantasy hockey from a different angle and analysing the numbers behind the Cookupful. This week it's the concept of Fantasy PDO. So what is PDO and what does it stand for? Well, confusingly, it doesn't actually stand for anything, but rather it's simply the online handle of Brian King, the irreverent Oilers fans forum user who first proposed the method. So PDO is an attempt to measure how lucky or unlucky a team or player has been. Most commonly, this measure adds the shooting percentage and save percentage together to form a number which should average out at around 100%. It's generally then accepted that most teams or players will fall within, say, 2% either side of 100, so between 98% and 102%, and that the teams who measure well below or above those numbers can either be considered unlucky or lucky, respectively. So how can we apply this to fantasy hockey? Well, in a league like the Cupful with 252 teams, as part of the scoring categories, we measure shots on goal and we measure goals. We measure saves and we measure goals against. By dividing a team's total goals by their shots on goal, you can calculate their shooting percentage. For the Cupful, this figure ranges from around a low of 7% to a high of 15.5%, averaging out somewhere around 10.75%. Similarly, for goaltending, Using the goals against and saves, you can calculate the save percentage of a Cupful team. For this season so far, the figures range from a low of about 0.871 through an average of 0.91 to a high of 0.931. By then adding these two figures together, that's shooting percentage and save percentage, you will end up with a figure that ranges from a low of around 96.7% through to a high of 107.27%. These numbers average out at around 101.8%, which we then use as our baseline. Calculating one standard deviation either side of that number gives us a range of 1.7% either side. So a team sitting above 103.5 fantasy PDO should consider themselves quite lucky thus far, and a team at 100.1% or below have definitely not had luck on their side. To see how your team measures in terms of fantasy PDO, Check out the standings link in the podcast description and click on the team stats page. This page will show you how your team compares to the other 251 teams in the Cupful in each of the 10 scoring categories. On the right of this sheet you will see your shooting percentage, your save percentage and your fantasy PDO percentage. To round out the show this week I'll take a look at the best team of last week comprised of skaters with the highest points total in each position and then after that I'll take a look at the best players who are under 50% owned in the Cupful as of yesterday, that's Sunday the 17th of November. So first of all, uh, the goaltender of the week last week was Darcy Kemper of the Arizona Coyotes. He had two games, only two games, 26.5 fantasy points, two wins, only two goals against, 70 saves and one shutout. The top two defencemen last week were Keith Yandel of the Florida Panthers. Uh, Yandel had 33.25 fantasy points in his three games with one goal, an amazing seven assists in three games, 
Seven shots on goal, so not a great shots on goal total, but he made up for it with the assists. He also had one hit and eight blocks. And the other defenceman last week who stood out was Nate Schmidt of the Vegas Golden Knights. He had 25.5 fantasy points in three games with one goal, four assists, seven shots on goal, no hits, but 11 blocks. And if you paid any attention to the news last week or watched any hockey, you'll probably not be surprised by the top three uh, forwards. So at centre, Connor McDavid, of course, had three goals, seven assists, 12 shots and two blocks for a total of 41.5 fantasy points. So McDavid owners really getting repaid last week. You don't have to look too far away from McDavid to see the highest performing left winger of last week. It was Leon Dreisaitl, also of the Edmonton Oilers, with 36 fantasy points in three games. Two goals, seven assists, ten shots, two hits and a block. And then for right wing, again, another high profile name and somebody who's been mentioned on the show already last week. uh, Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks, 27.5 fantasy points, 3 goals, 3 assists, 9 shots and a block. So those early draft picks are really starting to pay dividends now. And to close out this week's show, I'll take a look at the best performing player in each position who is owned in 50% or fewer of the cupful divisions. And at left wing, the highest performing player who is owned in under 50% of cupful divisions is Tanner Pearson. Pearson has 82.25 fantasy points so far this season in 21 games for an average of just under 4 fantasy points per game. He's on pace for 43 points. Uh, he is owned in 5% of Yahoo leagues and 22% of Kukupful divisions. So he's one to keep an eye on if the Vancouver schedule suits your team. Um, the highest performing centre is the same as last week. It's actually Nick Benino of the Nashville Predators. With 19 games played, he has 81.5 fantasy points, which is an average of 4.3 fantasy points per game. He was owned in 44% of leagues last week. He's now down to 28% of Kukupful divisions. Uh, that's just 15% of Yahoo leagues also. Uh, The right wing who is best performing is Brandon Tanev, who is owned in 22% again of Kukupful divisions. He's down from 78% in weeks uh, 3, 4 and 2. Uh, He has 3 goals and 6 assists, 76 fantasy points, which is an average of 3.8 per game. And he's also owned in 22% of Yahoo leagues. The best defenseman available in over 50% of Kukupful divisions is actually Zdeno Chara, the man who celebrated his 1500th game in the NHL recently. He has 4 goals and 4 assists, 36 shots, 36 blocks, 72.5 fantasy points for an average of 3.63 points per game. So he's one to keep on your watch list. And the top performing goaltender who is owned in under half of Kukupful divisions is Linus Ulmark of the Buffalo Sabres. He has played 8 games, has 4 wins, 51.95 fantasy points which is an average of 6.5 fantasy points per game and is owned in 13% of Yahoo leagues but 17% of Kukupful leagues. He has never actually been owned in more than 28% of the Kukupful divisions at any stage of the season. So that's it for today's show. Thanks very much for listening again. If you have any feedback, don't hesitate to get in touch with me and all the best for Game Week 7. are jerks.